the double shot with your favourite cousins, James and Alex Fitzgerald. We are joined today also with producer JB. JB, you've done it again. This podcast is not sponsored by anything that that just sounded like, but hey, we're open to it, aren't we, cuz? Yeah, welcome, JB. Thank you, guys. Welcome, JB. Great to be here. Why? <laughs> it's great to be here. All right, so we're going to open up with the very, I mean, last week's topic was pretty controversial with my whole interest rates um, scandal and. Yeah, have you had much swear word. much in the way of red notifications on the yeah, on the yeah. Facebook so far? Right. Yeah, okay. yeah, a couple. Yeah, a few. Um, people think I've obviously just got too much money that I don't care, but <laughs> I, I, you know that's just going to be what it is. <laughs> um, all that crap, you know, internet trolls. This though, I think this is actually more controversial. Mm. So controversial, in fact, mm. that I also needed to bring JB into the conversation. So yeah, we've got some. Two Aussie classics. I'm yeah. talking Christmas Day classic. I'm talking family barbecue classic. I'm talking Easter. Yeah. I'm talking holy crap, we forgot to get something on the way, so we'll get this classic. And the classics that I'm talking about are a box of Cadbury favorites and or a box of Mars Celebrations. What are you, are you choosing? Me? What are you choosing? Oh, I'm going, I if I'm presented with those two options, I'm going the <laughs> favourites over the celebrations and I'm picking the Turkish delight out first. I'm, Whoa, I'm, yeah. I'm going in, I'm yeah. grabbing as many Turkish delights as I can <laughs> and, and, and I'm squirrelling them away into my pockets. <laughs> that, that's my go-to. <laughs> All right, before I weigh in, JB, thoughts, feelings, are you with us? I'm, I'm with you. I, I, it, is, it is a tough one. Like I think I'd go, look, I think I would go favourites. The, the only reason I would is because we end up getting left with, uh, with spares in my household where <laughs> my partner is allergic to coconut, of all things. Oh. So um, the bounties oh, tend to... Oh, the bounty, to, mate, you can have them. They're, they're the last one that I want. Yeah, so... Guys, guys, the bounty is actually in the celebrations. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's why I'd go the favourites. Oh, you go the favourites. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So I, I'd, oh. I think I'd go the favourites just so I'm not left with a whole bunch of, of waste chocolate. I'm leaving the cherry. You? I'm leaving the cherry ripes in the in the in the favourites <laughs> to last, and I'm leaving the bounties to nothing with coconut. No, no, not not for me. Yeah, okay. They're all yours. Yeah, I'll take the cherry ripes. I'm good on the cherry ripes. I'm not a huge fan of bounties. No. You guys, you guys would work well together as a couple. Um, Wouldn't sharing we? favorites. Wouldn't we? What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I'm also going the favorites categorically. I just believe there's a more superior mix of chocolate in there. And if I'm back to 15 year old Alex and there's no one else around, I'm doing exactly what you've done. I'm strategically taking out all the crunchies just for me and me only. Yeah. And and they're getting stashed somewhere else. It's funny that we all <laughs> we all used to do that. Uh, I don't mind Turkish delights. Like I'll take them if that's all that's left. But they're certainly not my first pick. Certainly so, not. So in the favourites, you got the cherry ripe crunchy dream flake. Yeah. The caramel chocolate thing and the Turkish delights. In yeah. the celebrations, you've got all the Mars bar family, so yeah, Snickers, yeah. Um, Maltesers. Maltesers, Bounty, Milky Way, you know, not Those a bad assortment galaxies. in fairness. If I'm, if I'm given the celebrations, I'm squirrelling away the Snickers, I think. <laughs> so that, And the Mars, not, they're you, pretty similar. Because let's face it, you're not you without a Snickers, uh, <laughs> are you? 
Well, marketing 101, those guys are making a <laughs> lot of money right now on that. But how favorite, how, how funny that they're the two like Australian favorites. And I actually went to the point of going online to see if there was some debates on like Reddit and such. And there's some hot debates <laughs> on the superior box. And what I yeah. thought was notably funny is the fact that Rose's doesn't even get a gig in this conversation says a lot, doesn't it? Roses is like an old person box of yeah. chocolates. <laughs> it's like when you go Sorry. to a house and you, you smell one of those little bowls of like dried roses. That's... <laughs> dried roses. <laughs> now, if I'm going to roses, it's I'm going straight for the mint number. But honestly, they're out of the question if there's a, a, a box of favourites or celebrations. Are, are we going to talk about the favourites party edition? <laughs> so the with the dairy milk tropical pineapples, caramello koalas, twirls, Whoa. freddos with the popping candy. Oh or, shit! Yeah, the white chocolate freddos and the dairy milk. I marvelous think that, creation. That just solidified why favorites is the superior of the three. Yeah, that's a bit a bit too exotic for me. That one. <laughs> too exotic. All right, Kaz, tell me, how how realistic is it for me to quit my job and become a full-time property investor? What do you think? Should I do it? Can I do it? I wouldn't advise it. I mean, generally speaking, I'm sort of like not that conservative, but I wouldn't advise it, no. Um, no. I mean, like just to be clear, I'm not, I don't think I'm in a position to do that yet. Maybe one day. But, uh, you know, a lot of people, it's it's a bit of a goal, isn't it, just to I'm going to quit my job and I'm just going to be a full-time property investor. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> I have to admit, I don't know what I'd do with my time. I don't know if it does sound that great, um, but it does beg the question, what kind of position would you need to be in to be able to do that? What have you got to consider before that becomes a reality? I mean, like... Being a full-time property investor insinuates that you're, you're going to own property and I guess you're going to get a, a dividend or some kind of cash flow from it that's going to allow you to live. Um, so it really depends on what you live on per annum. Um, we ask a lot of people this. Some of them say, yeah, I could live on 60 grand. Some say I could live on 80. Some say 100. No, some say I need 150 I mean, especially if you own your own home and you still got debt on that, you've got to make those repayments because there ain't no rent coming in on that unless you're doing something crafty and illegal. Yeah. Um, Most people think in pre-tax terms as well. Like normally if we're, exactly. if we're thinking about what we're going to need as an income, we're, we're thinking yes. about what we spend and, and what we spend is is, is after tax. So you, you've got to put the tax exactly. in as well, unfortunately. Exactly. So, I mean, look, you got to figure out how much, how much rental income you're getting after all of your expenses. And then, well, I don't know, maybe what what tax return you're going to get. Um, if you really want to be a full-time property investor, I don't know, 100 grand? Say you need Same 100 grand, grand to yeah. live. Depends and that's on your after risk. all your expenses. Let's say it's 100. Keep the numbers nice and even and neat. Uh, it's, it's probably a tad high, but... Maybe, maybe not. Um, the cost of living is rising, James. General general rule of thumb, I reckon, is you need about a 4 to 5% return. That's a comfortable, not too much risk um, type, type of area. Um, so, so if you're $100,000 a year and you're working off a 4% return, that's $2.5 million of net assets. 
if you're working off 5%, it's 2 million. So somewhere between 2 million and 2.5 million um, debt-free home maybe as well. Uh, that, yeah. That's sort of what you, you're talking some pretty high numbers, pretty high numbers yeah. to be in that fortunate position. It would be nice, must be nice in fact. It, it Look, it would uh, I, I don't know if it would be nice. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I look at my p- current portfolio and I just think, nah, there's no way I could, I could not be working right now. Um, you know, and then there's things like travel and what else, whatever else you want to do with your life, I suppose. Now, if you want to be a full-time property developer, that might be a little bit different again. But hey, your nine to five income is is still very good cash flow, my friends. Very good. As they say, don't, maybe don't quit your day job. <laughs> It's official. Oh. You bought a block of dirt. Mm-hmm. You own this beautiful piece of soil, all 400 square metres of it, whatever it is. Um, this is hypothetical. <laughs> and now you've got to go and find a builder to build the house that will go on top of that lovely square dirt. What the hell do we do next? What, what do we do? How do we find a builder? Let's talk through that because there's a lot of options now and it's a minefield. Well, I can say I've built seven, about to build eight, eight my eighth home. Okay, and, you're reasonably qualified for this. And I think I've used four or five different builders uh, and it is so important getting the right builder uh, at the outset. It can make it a smooth, easy, enjoyable process or getting the wrong builder can can make it an absolute nightmare. And it to be honest with you, I don't think there's a right answer or one answer because it mm. does come down to a, a lot of the time what type of house you're building and 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 picking the right builder for that house, in, in my yeah. opinion. You know, you, you're talking about um, you know, every builder has a slightly different price. Um, every builder has slightly different quality level. Like some builders, you know, take ages to build, longer time yeah. to build because they're so focused on the quality and, and, yes. and all those perfections at the end. Um, so then the time frame obviously is, is the third consideration. And then I guess there's probably the reputation or, or credibility as well. You know, you could mm. go with a builder who's just starting out and, and back them in where they might be a bit cheaper because they are starting out, don't have the runs on the board. Yeah. Or you can go with a really credible builder who because they've got that reputation, they probably charge accordingly. So all those price, quality, time frame, mm-hmm. uh, reputation, they're all interrelated. They all, you know, there is no unicorn as as the saying goes. Um, mm-hmm. So you sort of, you, you're weighing all that up and finding out which mix fits you best, I think. Absolutely. And, you know, like I think a good place to start is um, going around your area, seeing who's building, you know, if there's building sites, Typically, the builders have got their signage up when they're on site. Um, You know, if you're in sort of a more newer greenfield area, you can find those big land estates by those big developers and there's like Mm. whole rows of display homes. Mm. And it's great because you can go inside, see the quality. I mean, usually they they build quite nice um, high-spec inclusions homes for their displays, but gives you a really good idea of, of what they can do and what they can deliver and you can usually ask the uh, sales guy in there, all the questions that you've got. Um, but but I guess the other thing I would say too, to be really mindful of is you have to be clear, now you've settled your block of land, how much you've got to spend on the build and, and yep. essentially what, what you can afford. So if you don't already know that, um, you really have to start there because you might have to have really 
short timeline and a really tight price. Um, mm. And that might lead you directly to only a handful of, of builders. Um, so be really stuck on that. Um, and you obviously want a completed home at the end. You want a, a full turnkey ready to live in home, um, which includes, you know, things that you might not think of like your driveway might be just your carpets. Um, you, you might be just blind. So things might not be included in some of the pricing that you get, but I think too that to consider the most important thing is to find a builder that that specialises. That that's that's the one thing that I think I have learned almost the hard way is there are certain builders that are great at building investment homes and they build them quick. They have a great loyal trade base that gets through them quickly. Uh, you know, they're probably not the one that you're going to want to build your own home though. You know, where they totally. take a little bit longer and 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 finesse some of the the finer details. Um, likewise, if if you're building through an architect, you're going to want a builder who's dealt with a lot of architects and mm. and understands the process of a custom home, um, sloped properties. Um, have yeah. seen that that not a lot of builders know how to do slopes. So you got to you got to find a builder yeah. that knows a sloped property, if that's the kind of property that you're dealing with, the knockdown rebuilds, they're a lot more involved than building on a blank canvas. Yeah. Um, so th- there's all different types of projects that suit people that, that really have a lot of experience or, or really enjoy doing um, different types of homes. So I think that'd be my main suggestion is before you even get two or three people to price it, get two or three that, that really specialise in the type of house and, and home that you're wanting. Absolutely. And look, if you're still not sure, you're welcome to email us and we'll try to point you in the right direction. All right. So lenders mortgage insurance, have you paid it? Would you recommend others pay it? And what is it? Well, uh, peppered there. Absolutely peppered. (laughs) Hit you with a triple three for one. So that I can succinctly explain what it is, because I actually believe a lot of us talk about LMI, insurance, whatever, but we don't actually understand what it is or we know we've got Mm. to pay something extra Mm. when we borrow a certain amount. So lenders mortgage insurance, LMI, is a one-off, non-refundable, non-transferable premium that's added to your home loan, right? Mm -hmm. And it's calculated on the size of your deposit and how much you borrow. The more you contribute to your purchase price uh, for the property, the lower the cost of the LMI or nearly or none, depending. Um, and basically LMI is an insurance that protects the bank, we have to pay for it, for any loss that they may incur if you're unable to repay your loan. So the more you borrow, I guess the bank calculates the more risk you know, say yep. something happens, you lose your job, you have to fire sell that property and they may not recoup all of their funds, hence insurance. So it's a, it's a bit of a doom and gloom from that side. But it's, let's move over to... I was going to say it's payable. Pay it. it's payable pretty much on any loan amount above 80% of the property exactly. value. Exactly. Some banks insure themselves. Some banks um, use a, a private insurer. The big ones are Genworth and QBE um, mm-hmm. and... You know, it's roughly one to two percent of the loan amount, and mm. it gets it actually increases the more that you borrow. So the the less, even even though the percent might be the same, like if you're borrowing eighty eight percent on a five hundred thousand dollar property, 
versus 88% on a million dollar property, you're going to be paying less as a percent on the smaller amount uh, because it's a, a lower dollar value. So, um, exactly. you know, ho- hopefully I haven't confused people with that. It's always hard <laughs> when, you, when you talk numbers, but it's somewhere between one and 2% of the loan amount. Yeah. And interestingly today, depending on the bank, the lender, and probably your serviceability, they will often capitalize it onto the loan. So they'll actually add it to the loan, Mm -hmm. meaning that you don't have to contribute it as cash or equity from elsewhere. Um, So I guess the first question you asked me, because do you have to pay it? Well, no, unless you don't have enough money, (laughs) you don't have 20% deposit uh, or more essentially. So you kind of do if, if you're there. If you're you know, if you're tossing up whether to pay it or not, I mean, it fully depends on on your propensity to um, tip in more money or less money or borrow more or less, really. Yeah. And if you're if you're putting, let's say you're buying a five hundred thousand um, dollar house and you're putting mm-hmm. down a ten percent deposit, your mortgage insurance would be about five thousand seven hundred dollars, depending on the insurer. It'd be, it'd be rough, roughly that. So it'd be about uh, just over one percent of the loan amount. Um, if you are borrowing, if you're buying, sorry, a $2 million home though, and you are putting down a 10% deposit, your mortgage insurance would be 32500 which which is closer to 2%. So, so it does really jump up the higher the, the property value um, and, and the higher, therefore, the loan amount. Mm. Um, look, from an investment perspective, it's tax deductible. Um, that's something that that a lot of property investors, you know, I, I think it's probably talked about in in a negative light. Is that is that fair to say? I, I, I often I definitely think it's, agree. it's talked about negatively. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a like it's oh, a, you got to avoid it. You know, blah blah blah. But it's whatever. It minimizes the amount that you've got to put in on the property. Um, but but if you've got no other option and you don't have the twenty percent deposit, then you know it's it's a it's a certainly a better alternative to doing nothing in most instances, and it's certainly not a bad thing. I I bought my first two properties uh, using lenders mortgage insurance um, because it was it was a, a case of either getting into the market or, or not getting in, and exactly. I preferred to be in. And you know when you calculate five grand uh, over thirty years. Or, you know, say let's just say ten. You know, to be more, it's really nothing. No, five hundred bucks really a year nothing. over ten. And yeah, now, now obviously that's on your five hundred thousand dollar example, right? We're not. Yeah. I'm not saying it's nothing on a two million dollar, but you know, sort of spread it out. Give some, give some context and some, some time next to that, and and don't be afraid of it. Um, just understand it. And and you might be one of the lucky few who don't have to pay mortgage insurance. Um, who? Come on, who? Uh, accountants. Oh, um, unbelievable. I think, I think lawyers still qualify, doctors. Um, yeah. There's certain professions that the banks consider to be very safe professions where people uh, can find jobs very easily. I, I don't know how they figure it out, but I guess it's, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a tertiary education of some sort that generally is the prerequisite. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, some of those professions are actually eligible for a 90% loan with no mortgage insurance. So it's a bit of a no-brainer for those people, I think, because you're borrowing more money and you don't even have to pay for it. It um, sounds like... Most of it's most of it's not in that position, unfortunately. <laughs> sounds like what you're saying is that the the safe professions, cuz, are getting a box of favourites while the rest of us are left with the, the crappy box of roses that have gone white because they're pretty much gone off. <laughs> or, or... 
if we are the box of favourites, we've been left with the cherry ripes. Oh, well, you know, I've got no problem with that. <laughs> Maybe that speaks to my lack of lack of issue that I have with LMI also. <laughs> <laughs> Lenders oh, well, Mortgage guys, Insurance, the cherry ripe of the box of favourites. <laughs> Roses not getting a gig. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. For little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter, okay, a lot of banter, you can follow us on the gram. Our handle is thedoubleshot.podcast. That, my friends, is thedoubleshot.podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.